everybody has a good book inside of them waiting to be written, but also some people have a bad book in them. Welcome to Novel Ideas, a bi-weekly podcast where each episode will look at a book people have deemed as questionable. Then we'll decide if the book will be joining what we're dubbing the Library of Cursed Books. So come join us this week as we discuss Check, Please by Janice Dickinson. And we're finally out of the grasp of Ben Shapiro's book, True Allegiance. So this is the next book we'll be covering. Um, Little side note, I did find out that Ben Shapiro and Daily Wire Studios did move to Tennessee. So he did escape the liberal hellscape of California. But he also moved to Nashville, which is also a very left-leaning city in the Midwest. But that is, we're done. We're done with Shapiro. Thank God. He can be out in the ether now until maybe, possibly, we'll cover a future book by his because he's written a lot of garbage. Oh, dear God. But in case it wasn't clear, um, we definitely designate True Allegiance as a cursed book. Uh, so cursed, it's in the dumpster outside of the library. It doesn't even have a spot. Mm, like it's It's bad. But now we're going to continue on into... Elsa hosting her episode, and she's going to tell me all about Janice Dickinson, who the only thing I know about from her is what Elsa has told me about her. And how much have I told you, Chris? What do you know? Not much. (laughs) I I know that she was on a modeling show with Tyra and that (laughs) she was kind of a bitch. I mean... That's what most people know her for. She was hired by Tyra Banks to be the Simon Cowell of America's Next Top Model and then was fired because the fans didn't like it. She did hold some resentment towards Tyra, but has come forward recently to say that she is sorry for the negative things that she has said. Other than that, Janice Dickinson is the self-proclaimed world's first supermodel. She got her real start in Europe after a lot of rejection in New York City and then did become famous in the U.S. after a successful career in Europe. She would develop an interest in photography and has actually had some success with that as well. We've already kind of talked about the fact that she was on America's Next Top Model and fired for being exactly what she was hired to do, which was to be the tell-it-as-it-is Simon Cowell type of America's Next Top Model. She has since starred on her own reality show, The Janice Dickinson Model Agency, which I have watched a little bit of, but I don't know. I can see why after a few seasons it wasn't very successful. From what little I saw, we did see a little of her nurturing side, but she was still kind of the same critical Janice. But I also think she's a product of her time as far as critiques towards her wannabe models, like being too fat and all of that kind of stuff. And that makes sense. So I can't really critique that because I feel like she really was a product of her time. Like she was tall and slender, but she was actually criticized for looking too ethnic. I will say that she did say some pretty awful remarks on Top Model regarding things like that. And I find that very ironic considering that that's why she really struggled in New York before she went to Europe. And then of course, we know Janice has made other appearances on reality TV shows. She's kind of an attention whore. She's been on Celebrity Big Brother, I'm a Celebrity South Africa, and she did a show called Janice and Abby, and I believe that she might be gearing up to do one with her current family. Circling back to why we're talking about Janice today, she is the author of three books, including the one we're going to talk about, which is Check, Please, which is her dating book. But she also wrote two autobiographies, one called No Lifeguard on Duty, and the other called Everything About Me is Fake and I'm Perfect. 
Ironically, with the title of that second book, you would think it's her bragging about all of her surgeries and stuff. It's actually a cautionary tale and a, a story of how she wishes that women today would have more self-esteem. It was not exactly what I was expecting. Then, of course, before we dive into this dating book, I know a lot of people would want me to touch on the fact that she has a very messy dating history. She's been married, I believe, three times. And I don't really want to discuss that too much because a lot of her issues with dating have to do with the fact that she does come from a family of abuse and her father was inappropriate towards her as a child. And being that I am someone that can relate to that, I don't want to say a lot of hateful things towards another woman who's been through that because my dating history is also messy because I've been through very similar things. All right, so now we're going to, of course, get into this lovely book. It's titled, Check Please, Dating, Mating, and Extricating. So this book is divided into four sections, dating, advanced dating, mating, and extricating. (laughs) So she opens with a consumer warning, and I'm going to read this to you. It says, if you bought this book looking for a portable shoulder to cry on or a literary big sis who will be there to tell you over and over again, hey, you're doing everything right. It's the guys who need help. Well, what can I say but wrong? Check, please, is a big dose of reality for those of you actually living the surreal life of dating, mating, and extricating. It'll help you, I promise, but I mean help you the Janice way. I'm no handholder. I'm gnarly. I'm all about tough love. So open your mind and let's rearrange the rules to help make you America's next top guy magnet. So her book is being advertised as something to attract all the dudes to you. (laughs) Janice's milkshake brings all the boys to the yard. And then you're going to have to throw them out of the yard. She's telling you the ingredients of said milkshake. Yes, she is. All right, so we're going to start off with part one, which is dating. And she opens this section with Dating 101, Your Code of Armor. So I'm going to read this passage to you that kind of sums up what this Dating 101 section is. She says, Think of yourself as Joan of Arc. She didn't prance around in the medieval equivalent of a slinky little Versace number in stilettos, but not because she wasn't a hot-looking chick. No. Joan knew she was living through a very tough and dangerous time, so she always left the house in her coat of armor. You need to wake up and realize that these are very tough and dangerous times as well. Take it from Joan, let your guard down, and you'll get burned. What you need is your own coat of armor. When Joan went into battle, she grabbed her coat. When you go on a date, you're doing the same thing. It's like you're going into a mini battle. The last thing you want is to be undressed and unprotected. So basically in this chapter, she says that men have their own built-in coat of armor and that we need to leave the house in our coat of armor to counter your coat of armor. I get her using the metaphor of Joan of Arc as like a powerful like female knight, but also Joan was somebody that heard the voice of God. Yeah. And it told her to help free France from the English by killing a bunch of Englishmen. Yeah. So- I mean, if this was, like, advice to murder men, I could understand it. <laughs> I don't think that's the advice, though. Basically, she says, you guys pretty much always have your guard up, so we should have our guard up, too, I think I, is what she's trying I to say. I understand that. But I, I feel like there's a better metaphor out there than the one she picked. Aw, you don't think that we should start hearing voices in our head to warn us when the guys are trying to date their scumbags? I, no, I, I feel... <laughs> 
<laughs> I just feel there's a better way to say keep your guard up. But basically, that's all the intro to this is. Each section has its own introduction, so to say, and that was the introduction to part one that's dating. And then we get into the first lesson. We need to know what dating is. Dating is never having to say, I'm lonely. So in this section I'm about to read, Janice defines what she views dating as. She says, dating is one of two things. Either it's about trying to get to the next level or you're trying to get laid. Dating and mating go hand in hand. You date, you mate, you mate, you keep the world procreating the way it's supposed to. Then, unless you stay with the same guy for eight years and die in his arms, which is lovely, but if that's your plan, you're reading the wrong book. The next logical step is extricating. All good and most bad things must come to an end. So basically, this lesson is nothing more than just kind of defining the idea of dating. I understand, like, coming from that position of you got to be able to know when something's at its end to end it. But I also think it's kind of nihilistic to go into the dating world going, all things must come to an end. None of my relationships are going to last. It's a bit of nihilistic attitude towards it. Yeah. And I think some people, when they date, they don't have it in their heads right away that they're either dating to get laid or dating to be together. Some people are dating just to see what's out there. And then as they get to know the person, I feel like they can then decide if they want to you know, mate and continue the relationship or extricate. Like, I, I myself am somebody that has only dated for long-term partnership. I've never dated in short-term or to just find somebody to have sex with. For me, when I date, I date for a relationship, but I can't say I've never had friends with benefits, but I never went on dates with those people. We really just kind of did our thing and that was that. Yeah, I, I just view it as kind of nihilistic. And I do think, though, you should be able to recognize when a relationship is at its end or when a relationship has become unhealthy and be able to either end the relationship or, if you're married, divorce. Yeah. Well, she does end this section. I just saw this here, and that's why I marked it. Dating is also a test of our ability to make a connection. It gives us a window into how men see us and if they'd like to continue to see us on a regular basis. And you were trying to pull this off without a manual? Good luck. So she does say here that dating is also a test of our ability to make a connection. So I guess she does understand that some people do really just date to be in a relationship. But I don't think that's who she's marketing this to. And maybe that's why she had made that earlier statement about knowing when to end things. After hearing that, I could see her where she was coming from just the initial passage sounded really nihilistic that makes more sense to say hey dating is about connections and if you don't have one don't bother yeah and then she was making a point to say that this really isn't who this is for if you're dating for a long-term relationship in marriage because it's literally called dating mating and extricating in the title it's more janice dickinson's the hookup book <laughs> i mean maybe I'll let you decide as we go through this book if this is really what that is. All right, so you're ready for lesson two. Mm -hmm. It's a classic and an old favorite of mine in women's dating books. Lesson number two is, want to get a guy's attention? Ignore him. You know how I feel about this. You know how I feel about, quote-unquote, ignoring men for attention. Um, it's, I will go out here as, as, as a guy and tell you that is bad advice. 
It's awful advice for anybody. If the person is normal and you ignore them, you're not going to go anywhere. It's the same. It's the same thing as like the whole play hard to get. Like when you first ask you out, shoot him down. Like if I ask somebody out and they tell me no, that's in. That's the end of it for me. Like I'm gonna be like, okay, I shot my shot. They said no. This is done. They're uninterested. Don't come up to me six months later going, but I wanted you to fight for me. <laughs> right. I am not that kind of person. I am the person that is going to be very literal with you and be like. No, you told me no. This is over. Right. (laughs) Well, in the same token of thinking this is awful advice to ignore a man for attention, for those of you who don't know, Chris and I are engaged. And the reason that we're engaged is because I did not ignore him for attention. We were friends for a while. And when we were finally both single, I said, hey, I have feelings for you. And that turned into a conversation that led to us getting together. If I had ignored Chris for attention, he would have just never talked to me, and that would have been that. I would have missed out on my future husband. Elsa pursued me. I did pursue him, actually. This is Mm -hmm. the first person and the only person I've ever made the first move on. And what do you know? I saved it for the right person. And again, if I had asked Elsa out and she told me no, that would have been the end of the conversation. Yeah. Like I would have been like, okay, I guess we're just friends. Exactly. And we were friends for a long time. We yeah. we met at one of our old jobs that neither of us works at almost a decade ago. So we've known each other for a while. Yeah. And we've been together for a while. It's been a few years yeah. now. We're coming up on three years. Yeah. We've been together for three years and we knew each other for several years before that. We met in 2015. Yeah. Yeah, it was 2015. But if I had ignored Chris for attention or if I played coy and never was upfront about my feelings then I wouldn't be in the relationship I'm in now and we might not even have this podcast she would have just stayed a friend (laughs) yeah this would have been my bestie and I would have just watched him date other girls and it would have made me sad because at the end of the day my unanswered question until I finally said something was what about Chris the moral of the of our story is do not ignore somebody. If you have feelings, just let them know. And if they shoot you down, that's that. Exactly. But Janice has a little advice on the ignoring him for attention here. She says, here's how you do it when you want someone to be smitten with you in your moments. You look, you smile, you sit in a pose that doesn't seem to be a pose, but any model knows you're posing. You move your chiffon dress a little bit north while you sit on the bar stool, flashing some high-class thigh, while rejoicing that you aren't prowling the hotel at all hours in jeans. Having planned ahead, you're wearing lilac, which is the color of spring, a fact lost on straight men, but one that inspires confidence in the women wearing it. This is how you continue to work when he smiles back at you. So you take your index finger and move it slightly, which is a universal signal for come here. Oh my lord, yeah. To the to like group of guys that are all going to start pointing at each other and going, me, me, him, him, So in me. this scenario, she's flirting with a bartender that she noticed at the bar while she was on a trip for America's Next Top Model. And I guess he was staring at her or whatever, so she was ignoring him for attention. And this is how she advises us to do it. And posing, but only... When you said that like she was posing, but only a model would know she's posing, I just immediately <laughs> thought of another model po- like walking in the room and going, oh my god, she's posing, and pointing her out. <laughs> right. Yeah. This is how you ignore someone for attention. It's so sexy. Even though 
I feel like if you're doing these things, it's also obvious that you're not ignoring the person. You're obviously trying to get them to pay attention to you. You're also, doing you're being very pick me. Can I say she just came up to the bar and sat down? He may have like I realize maybe he was checking her out, but also <laughs> the bartender may have just been waiting for her to order something, like to call him over to make her drink. Well, at this point Janice is sober. So Janice has been sober for a number of years. I forgot to mention that in my about section of this episode. Kudos to Janice for her sobriety. But yes, he might have been waiting for her to order a drink, but I think Janice is a supermodel. And she does reveal at the end of this story, I'm not going to read this whole story, that he did recognize her as who she was. He was just a fling to her anyway, so that's not really a big deal. And when she did finally get his attention, her next play was to leave and come back the next night and make him jealous with her bodyguard. So that's how this ends. Like, this is how this whole play goes. So awesome. (laughs) So you ignore him for attention. And when he finally thinks that he's getting your attention and that he might get some from you, leave. You just leave and come back the next day. Bring someone to make him jealous with and then shoo that person away when you're ready to go flirt with him. I'm the wrong person to use these tactics on (laughs) because you'd be like, guess who this is? I'm like, I don't care. Right, exactly. (laughs) This is my my day job. (laughs) Right. What are you drinking? (laughs) Pretty much. What was even the point of that? Like, once he came over, once he, you know, bought into her flirting, that would have been the perfect time to just, you know, talk to him. But, yes, ignore men for attention. Once you have their attention, leave. And make sure you still have their attention when you come back. Also, her game plan was to leave and come back. Um, Anybody that's worked, like retail service industry what if he was off that night (laughs) then you're gonna look like a jackass showing up at the bar well even with a bartender he has to have days off yeah like like he this guy was working the hotel bar where she was staying that's what i'm saying like what if that was his like night off right or what if you brought in your bodyguard even if you shoot him off and you know announced that he was your bodyguard what if that put him off to the point where he doesn't even want to try or you leaving the night before maybe he's like i don't want to try again she rejected me (laughs) but that's not what happened they wound up having a whole sexual fling the whole time she was out there filming for top model i'm just saying there's a lot of in this to where like this the way it played out she's lucky it played out like it did i mean she's janice so some of these rules that she applies i feel like work for her because she's a famous supermodel i as a laywoman this probably wouldn't work for me like i would like to believe i am a reasonably pretty girl but i don't feel like half these tips would work for me because the lay person isn't gonna go for that like what do you gain from pursuing me after i say no when I'm not famous. I'm not a famous anything. But you are gorgeous. Thank you, babe. <laughs> what can I say? You're the best. <laughs> but yeah, lesson two was my favorite thing in the world, and it was ignore him for attention. Bad advice. Horrible advice. But you want to know what lesson three is, ironically? Broadcast it. Oh. Putting it out there. Okay. So once you start ignoring him for attention, the next step is you have to broadcast it. She says, you have to broadcast to men that you're ready, willing, and available. Once you've mastered the ignoring part and gotten his attention, you have to telegraph your interest. Let him know you're interested by giving him steady eye contact and directing the conversation. Don't bat your eyes and act, oh, you're so smart with him. Fuck that. Take the lead and the guy will be all over you. Basically what she says here is, once you've ignored him and gotten his attention and you've got a conversation going, direct it the way you want it to go, but also 
I like this part actually don't act stupid to get his attention don't be an ew girl because no man will respect you if you are he's just going to treat you like a plaything. so I think that part of this advice is good but the whole okay you've ignored him now stare him down with your eyes and make flirtations with him and then direct the conversation assert your dominance yeah that's kind of what this is that's kind of the whole Jan- advice Janice telling everybody she's a dummy mommy I mean, <laughs> I do get the impression that she does like to be the dominant partner. She does like younger men. Like, she is known for enjoying a younger man. But I think her current husband, I think it's her husband, is closer to her age. But she does have a chapter in here later that is literally called In Praise of Younger Men. She was about 50 when she wrote this. This came out in 2006. I encountered this book for the first time in 2008. I remember reading this and laughing at before, but knowing more about her and knowing what I know now, this didn't age very well in certain parts, like the whole pursuing younger men thing. Like, girl, you were like 51 when you wrote this, dating some 20-somethings. Like, it's none of my business, but I think certain age gaps are a little bit creepy. Yep. Guy or girl, like, it's it can be gross. Yeah. Oh, yes. Because as somebody who is almost 40, no offense to 20-year-olds, but you're, I feel like I would be dating a child. Yeah, as someone who is also a few years away from 40, I can't help but think of you as being young enough to be like my niece or I don't know if maybe my child because I'm only 37, but you are very young compared to me. I was a full adult when you were born. Well, I guess when you were, if you're 20, I was 17 when you were born. Also, like, I can't think of you like that. My life, my life experiences are completely different from yours and there's not going to be a whole lot I can relate with you on. I feel like a lot of people, maybe not all people, but a lot of people who date that much younger than them are looking for playthings. I mean, maybe there are some relationships that are examples of how that's not always true, but I feel like generally speaking, it's all about physical attraction and also about having the upper hand in the relationship. Yeah, the there's, partner. There, there's definitely a power dynamic there. I feel like because an older partner has more life experience, they can kind of dangle that in front of the young person and make them feel inadequate and gaslight them with that. There's definitely an element of that. I'm sure we're going to discuss this even more when we get to the part of the book when she talks about younger men. But we're getting a little ahead of ourselves. When she looks at him and says, you remember dial-up modems? And he <laughs> just stares at her. What? <laughs> Chris, we remember dial-up modems. (laughs) We were younger than her by quite a bit. I think she's 68 now. She's almost 70 years old. But, I mean, good on her for still being around and doing her thing. I forgot to mention this. Wow, I can't believe I failed at this. She does music now. She put an EP earlier this year. And I'm going to play you guys out with some of it. But, yes, Janice Dickinson is 68. I admire her for being out and doing her thing still. I feel like the younger men thing will not age well in this book. But even when I read this in 2008, I didn't really like it very much. And I was in my 20s in 2008. We're getting ahead of ourselves. Let's bring it back to the present for lesson four, which is put yourself first, which isn't terrible advice. She says in a sentence in this, this is about a page long, so I'm just going to read the gist of it here. She says, women make the mistake of always thinking it's about the men. When it's too much about the man, it's time to call for the check. It's okay to be a little bit selfish. 
So basically what she's saying here is make sure that you're taking care of yourself and your needs and not just doing the trad thing of bowing down at his feet. Which is healthy advice. Like having a partner should be a partnership. Yes. (laughs) One person, like I know there are people that like that, that like to trad values. I'm not somebody that's like that. I'm not either. If you want to stay at home traditional wife, I'm not your girl. I like to go work. I like to pull my weight in a relationship. And I like to be able to voice my thoughts and feelings and opinions because I have lots of them. Like, I'm a fully realized person. So trad values aren't for me. And I liked that she basically said, hey, keep yourself in mind and make sure you stick up for yourself if the guy tries to take over the relationship and overpower you in a way that you don't feel like you're in this relationship. Your relationship should be based wholly on consent. Like, unless you consented to that, it should not be a part of your dynamic. Yes, exactly. Now, lesson five is going to be one of my favorite things. We're going to have our first listicle. Ooh, boy. This book has a number of lists. Yeah, they basically read like BuzzFeed articles. So, lesson five is how to find a guy or the one to read if you're flipping through this in a bookstore, which I was before I bought this. The first time around. This is not my original copy though. So she opens this up with the top 10 places to meet good men. So number 10 is park benches. No, I'm not that desperate. I'm not talking about bums. Well, except that all men are. Oh, skip it. But a park bench is a perfectly good place to meet the man of your dreams. Cute guys hang out in the park. The rich ones own parks. Find one to flirt with, and then when you're done, you can walk off your frustration with a nice run. I just want to say, the way you were throwing bread to those ducks, (laughs) super sexy. (laughs) Right, like, what did you, what, how do you even open? Just sit down next to him and be like... Hey, baby. <laughs> What's shaking? Oh, I, I'm, I'm sorry. She, she, you've told me she prefers younger men. I saw you two over there playing ultimate frisbee. <laughs> I just, the way you threw that frisbee and your friend got it. What are you doing later? <laughs> I mean, park benches are not necessarily horrible places to meet people, but I don't know about approaching a complete stranger like that. But I guess... Extroverts do do that kind of thing. I'm not an extrovert, so maybe I kind of shake my head at this one because I'm not bold enough to do that. Yeah, when I when I hear park bench, though, I immediately think old couple or old person feeding birds. So we live near a park, and a lot of the people who go to our park aren't sitting on the benches. They're on runs, and otherwise the park is pretty empty. So I wouldn't meet anyone at the park near my apartment because a lot of them are either people going for jobs or people in the back section playing with their kids. And a lot of them are there as couples. But I will and, say, speaking of you, park... you weren't trying to court either ducks or geese? Well, as sexy as they are, <laughs> I'm afraid I'm already taken. Or the turtles. If I wasn't taken, that turtle, mmm. Ooh, ooh. <laughs> but coincidentally, speaking of park benches... When Chris proposed to me, it was at our park, and we do have a special bench in our park because that's where we got engaged. Yep. So park benches isn't far off. It's a great place to get engaged. But I don't know, in today's climate, or even in 2006 when this came out, if a park bench is where you're going to find people who are single, especially not younger men like she's into. And she may also be basing this off something like Central Park, like with New York. 
She lives in L.A., I believe, now. Uh, well, but LA, she did live in New York for a long time. L.A. does not, as far as I remember, have actual parks. But, of course, she travels for work, so... Yeah. She goes to Europe a lot, too, or she did for her career for a long time. So maybe European men hang out in parks more than American men? It's possible, but as somebody that does not know, my general gist would be parks are not a place to pick people up. Normally when I go to the park, I have my headphones in or I take a book with me. So I feel like if someone was like, hey, sexy, the way you're reading that book is super, (laughs) super hot, I'd be like, could you fuck off so I can keep reading my book? Thanks. So, yeah. Number nine is men's clothing stores. I'm not talking about today's man. Go to Turnbull and Asser. I'm not sure if I'm saying that right. Where they make beautiful handmade shirts for men. They've dressed everyone from the Prince of Wales to James Bond, believe it or not. You won't find any slouches there. You'll find metrosexuals with big bank accounts and no hang-ups about spending cash on quality merchandise. That's where I come in. So just go hang out at men's clothing go, stores where you have nothing to purchase. Go go gold dig at uh, men's boutiques. Right. Like, we live near a mall in our town, and I feel like it would be really creepy if they found me inside one of the men's clothing stores, I, unless I, I worked there. I don't want to call her a gold digger, but it's weird to follow up big bank accounts with, and that's where you find me. <laughs> like, that's not a... Like, I would not have done that in that order. Yeah, well, she makes a lot of references like that. But I think she also tells a story in this book where she did marry for money and she was sad about it. So she's kind of back and forth on that a little bit. But yeah, go be creepy at a men's clothing store because that's really going to get his attention and not because he wants to file a restraining order against you all of a sudden. Why are the police here? I was just here to flirt with this dude. He's clearly sexy and very rich because this is an upper-class male clothing store that I have no business being at. Do you think some of the sellers in that store see her come in and are like, oh, (laughs) fuck, Janice is here again. Fuck. (laughs) Probably. They're looking for reasons to trespass her. (laughs) Eventually one of them just drops a little, like, cologne in her purse so they can get her for shoplifting. Or shove some socks in, like, a back pocket of hers and, like, oh, nope, you're banned from the store. (laughs) How many stores do you think she's banned from for this reason? Because <laughs> this is awful advice. That sounds like she's stalking someone specific. I can tell you if I was in sales involved in a clothing store and somebody like literally was just gender specific, like you have to be into men's clothing to shop here and you were just coming in here to flirt with the clientele, I would be annoyed. Like, that would make my job annoying. Like, I know some girls are tomboyish, or some girls just like certain pieces of men's clothing. Like, I like to wear some men's clothing once in a while with some feminine stuff and mix it up a bit. But I don't sit there and linger and stare at the clientele. I actually go in there to shop. Like, I'm actually looking through the racks. I don't care who's in the background. And those customers are okay. Get it, girl. If you want to shop at the men's clothing store, girl, I I might see you there. But... Just showing up and just leering at the customers is really creepy. All right, so we move on to the next place, number eight, is bike paths. I love to go bike riding. Like having sex, riding a bike is something you never forget how to do once you learn. Men like to see a woman who's active, and it's a good excuse to show off your legs. So just flag dudes down on the bike path who are clearly in a rhythm with their bicycling? Like, are you going to just, like, trip him or something? Throw a rock in front of his bike? She throws a sticks in his spokes just to send him flying and be like, look, you flew for me. Oh, my God. You're falling for me as you tumble off your bike. (laughs) Right? 
Or jump out in front of him. Do you just do this and she's, wave at him? She's the kind of, like, <laughs> or have that level of crazy to let the air out of her tire and be like, I got a flat, even though her tire isn't actually flat and she could just pump it back up. I think she would do something like that. That seems about on point for Janice. Oh my right. god! Not to not to, that I think she would, but right now her list comes off very ser- serial killerish. <laughs> this is go very stalkerish. Go to a park. Go into clothing stores. Hang out on bike paths. <laughs> this all seems like stuff like a crazy person would do. Oh my god! Oh man! So number seven, keeping the crazy train chugging along, is the car wash. <laughs> get out of your car they love it when you flirt with them inside the car wash she says don't laugh but we're already laughing (laughs) she says don't laugh a car wash is like a fucking sea of love and it's a great place to see and be seen it's perfect for germaphobes like me the most fabulous car wash i know is one in boys town aka west hollywood near my house in california the car wash guys are so beautiful, I give them 20 bucks just to say my name. Of course, most of my car wash guys are gay, but that's just my neighborhood. At most car washes, you should have no problem finding a few straight guys to say your name for free. Yes. Car wash. I, I was thinking about that Fucking too. Fucking at the car, car wash, wash today. <laughs> yeah. Like, no. what? <laughs> Um, I couldn't imagine flirting with anyone at a car wash. Like, I had male roommates who used to work at a car wash when I lived in a different part of town than I live in now. None of those men were attractive or sexy. And even if they were, I wouldn't go to the car wash to come on to them. And they weren't there picking up chicks. Like, they weren't weren't interested in that. The few times I've seen car wash attendants, they've always been, like, 50-plus-year-old men. The ones I lived with were in their 30s, their early 30s, but... Most of them were coupled up. None of them were there to try to pick up chicks. Like, they didn't come home and tell stories about the hot girl they saw at the car wash because they weren't interested in that. I don't know if it's different in bougier neighborhoods, but this feels like awful advice. Yeah. This next one is a classic out of a rom-com. Number six is dog parks. Dog parks are practical places to meet men. At least you know the men can handle the responsibility of nurturing and interacting with living things. You also know they're used to dealing with some crap. It's okay to visit dog parks even if you don't own a dog. Again, that sounds stalkerish. <laughs> if someone asks, tell them yours is in the shop. No one ever questions my being there, pooch or no pooch. Everyone knows Janice is the big dog. Yeah, she calls herself the big dog. All this dog talk reminds me of how guys are always comparing themselves to dogs. Acting like they have to have sex, as if it's some kind of an excuse for disgusting behavior or disloyal shenanigans. You just tell them, if they have to walk the dog, you have to walk the kitty too, girls. In fact, kitty may even need to go on a rhinestone leash. Okay, can I just say, do not go to a dog park without a dog? That is fucking creepy. And if you tell me that yours is in the shop, I'm gonna (laughs) think you're abducting dogs and murdering them. (laughs) Right. Now... If you said the groomers or the vet, that would be a little more believable. But again, this works for Janice because Janice is who she is. If she says something offhanded like that, they're going to laugh at her joke because I think it's meant to be a joke. But if someone like me were to go to the dog park sans dog, like I have four cats that I don't take to the dog park, and I came up to them to try to hit on them, I think they would find that very weird and stalkerish. 
Because this, again, sounds like advice to stalk a specific guy. Because it sounds like this guy yeah. she's into is at all of these places. This is just so cringe. And we still have a bunch more of these to go over. Besides car wash, it's still very much giving serial killer vibes. <laughs> oh, my Lord. It's giving me stalker vibes. It's giving me vibes for you. Like, like Joe from you. Yeah. Okay, this one's going to come as no surprise. Number five is the gym. The gym can be a terrific place to meet men. Men who work out are likely to be excellent time managers, have less stress in their lives, and, oh yeah, they're often the proud owners of biceps that can crack walnuts. I enjoy lounging at the Equinox Gym in West Hollywood in a 5,000 thread count white towel looking very Elizabeth Taylor circa Mike Todd. The purpose of such lounging, of course, is to pick up well-toned men. But even the Oracle, she also calls herself the Oracle in this book, it's weird, has to remember that real estate isn't the only field where it's all about location, location, location. Yes, you're surrounded by gorgeous, fit, tanned men at the gym, but so are they. And some of them might like that as much as you do. This is a common problem, which is why the gym ranks only number five on my list, even though the good guys you do meet usually make up for all the false alarms. And then she talks about her gay driver, and I skip that. So go to the gym, hang out on a towel, and leer at people. <laughs> Don't work out. Just sit there like you've been because to the spa at your gym. Because, you know, all gyms have spas, right? There are people that sit there and say, hey, leering at people while they work out is fucking weird and gross. Please don't do that. We went to the gym one time a while back, and there was a guy that kept, like, walking by me on the rowing machine and, like, leering at me. Until we finally got on the bikes next to each other, I think the guy just kept leering at me. I eventually started ignoring him, but it was kind of creepy. It's like, yeah. you saw me walk in with my partner. Like, what do you want? And my headphones are in, so I'm not going to talk to you. As far as I'm concerned, the gym is not a place I would go to pick up anybody because they're there to work out. Yeah. And if we want to stereotype, since we're stereotyping a lot, gym bros are more into themselves than they are into their partners. Yeah. There's I mean, a... that's not true about all of them, but... If to generalize like we're doing here right the, now. The kind of dudes she's talking about are definitely going to be the kind that are looking at themselves in the mirror and lifting weights and going, yeah, <laughs> yeah, look at me. Look how awesome I look. They're going to be telling their bros how great they look and they're not even going to be gay. They're just going to be like bromancing with each other because straight men do bromance in the same way straight girls have wifey friends. So I wouldn't even like... If I were to hit on men at the gym, if I were that weird type of person, I wouldn't take him saying that kind of stuff to his gym bro as him being gay. I'd just be like, yeah, they're just narcissists feeding each other their narcissistic praise. And I still wouldn't go for that because I don't like narcissists. So yeah, the gym. Great place to not meet anyone worth dating. Again, a stalker hangout. <laughs> exactly. Well, here, we're going to go back into gold digging now with this next one. Are you ready for it? You got a guess? The bank? Ding, 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 ding. Go to the bank. <laughs> Number four is the bank. When you enter a bank, yell out, this is a robbery. Then all eyes will be on you. And you'll have the pick of the litter. <laughs> Not quite. <laughs> the bank is number four. <laughs> you get together, you made me laugh too hard. <laughs> but yes. Oh, else I get it together, girl. <laughs> Number four is the bank. It can't be just any old bank. It has to be a main branch of one of the most exclusive banks out there, as approved by Forbes. Track one down immediately and make yourself more of a fixture in the lobby than a potted plant. 
Find out where the Sumner Redstone or Warren Buffett or Rupert Murdoch have their checking accounts and check it out yourself. Sure, they're probably taken, but their wealthy friends and all of their little aspiring CEO fans might be there too. You have to have a lot of cash to be banking there, and the ones who do might be looking for someone to spend a little time with or a little money on. Just make sure they understand there's a substantial penalty for early withdrawal. <laughs> Can I just say right off the bat, if you're hanging out in a bank lobby I'm my, and I work in that bank, my first suspicion is going to be you're casing the joint to rob it. <laughs> Especially if you keep showing up. Right. Or again, if you're gawking at the clientele, I'm going to need you to leave. That's really creepy. <laughs> are you here to open an account or are you on your way out the door? Like, those are your two choices, ma'am. Well, and she also, like, insinuates you should start banking there. But, like she also says, you do need to have a certain threshold of income to bank at those institutions. So, of course, that works for Miss Janice, but that doesn't work for me. I'm broke right now. I'm at negative dollars right now. You can't work at, like, a retail establishment and go in there. They don't want your, your business. No, my negative dollars would not be welcome there. My main critique of that is do not hang out in a bank lobby to pick up men because it's going to look like you're getting ready to rob the place. (laughs) Worst case scenario, they think you're casing it. Not a great case scenario either, but they're going to notice you leering at the clientele. And that's not good either. Hey, I found out all these famous people bank at this bank. I'm just making a list. <laughs> of uh, This is just a of list people of people that I want to hang out with. And <laughs> date. this isn't a list of your client, your exclusive clientele at this bank. <laughs> that I want to either date and or murder. <laughs> <laughs> or rob you for their money. <laughs> right. <clears throat> oh, my Lord. So, yes, more great advice. The bank. So staying in kind of stalkerish, but also kind of gold diggerish territory, number three is delicatessens in wealthy neighborhoods. Madonna's business partner, Guy Osiri, once wrote a book called Jews Who Rock. I don't get it. To me, all Jewish men rock. For Janice, it's all about the Jews. They respect quality. They have great senses of humor. They know about humility and what else? Oh, yeah, they're hung longer than the Bible. I call them my oi boys. Yeah, Janice fetishizes Jewish men a lot. There are sections where it kind of comes up. I kind of cut most of those, but yes, I acknowledge by reading this that she is definitely fetishizing a certain type of dude. So you're telling me she would do crazy things to Ben Shapiro? Oh my goodness, could you imagine? Hey, I guess we found a way that our books connect. (laughs) True allegiance and check, please. Ben Shapiro's a Jewish man. Janice loves herself a Jewish man. There we given, go. Given what we know about him, though, um, she would end up very sadly disappointed. <laughs> uh, he would he would notice that she has constant WAP, and then he would be very disgusted and take her to the doctor. Because if there's one thing we've learned about him, he cannot get a lady off. Yeah, and he, it scares the crap out of him to get anyone wet. All right, so we're going to move on to number two now. And this is also kind of a stalkery one and kind of a gold diggery one because it costs money to be a member here. The golf course on weekdays. Only two types of men can golf on weekdays, rich men and retired men, who are often rich men too. The rich can skip work on a daily basis in golf. Doctors generally consider golf a mandatory part of their jobs. Rich guys have obvious charms, even putting the financial picture aside. Retired guys are a plus because they can devote themselves to you 24-7. Want to get a guy to shoot for a hole-in-one? Wear your cutest, frilliest skirt and bend over to pick up the ball while putting. 
Ask guys if you can borrow their ball washer. Just showing up and looking good will put you in the green and within putting distance of a man. So I gotta go to a golf club and a frilly shirt and then <laughs> play golf. And then when somebody is like coming up to me, like, "Hey, can I borrow your golf, your ball washer?" <laughs> Get you a sexy, sexy rich man, Chris. <laughs> but I feel like this is terrible advice again because a lot of those clubs require you to pay money to join them. And Janice may have that money, but we, as lay people, but do not. The average person does not. But also, if you're going into the club just for that, you're also going to have to make the investment to buy golf clubs. Can't you rent some at the club? Possibly, but still, that's an investment you're making. That's true. You're also going to have to know how to actually play golf. No, she can play, I don't know how to do this. Can you please teach me? Yeah, but you would have to understand some fundamentals of it. Not really. You can just play helpless. Yeah. You can do what she doesn't like to do and be an ooh-woo girl. I, I feel like, like <laughs> I feel like I would just be wasting my time then. And be like, <laughs> like, I don't play golf, but... Like, yeah, golf doesn't appeal to either of us. <laughs> like, the most I've done in golf is miniature golf. Like, that's the extent of my golfing. Yeah. I find golf to be a boring quote-unquote like, sport, so I wouldn't be if, at the golf club for any reason unless I'm someone not, dragged me as a guest. Yeah, if I'm not trying to shoot a golf ball through a spinning windmill or into a dinosaur's mouth, I'm not interested in it. Mini golf is kind of fun because of all the bells and whistles, huh? But yes. So that's my advice. Go pick up a dude at a miniature golf course. You know he's a fun-loving gent <laughs> if you go to a mini golf course, but he might be there with his wife and kids. And then you kind of shouldn't hit on the guy. Because you'll probably have a better time with that person. <laughs> oh my lord. <laughs> It shows you're not concerned about his money, but also you're both fun-loving. Yes. So the final place to meet men is Go Figure, Stalkerish, and Gold Diggerish. And that is car dealerships. <laughs> Your face. <laughs> because you, you know what every car salesman's going to be doing when you walk onto the lot? Hey, you want to buy a car? You want to buy a car? Hey, 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 do you want to buy a car? Do you want to buy a car? Hush, How are hush, you? hush. I'm trying to scope out your clientele. I'm, I'm here to flirt and uh, pick up a man. Yeah, but you know how you could pick up a man? By putting them into this new car. Oh, my God. <laughs> so Janice says, Mercedes dealerships, BMW dealerships, Jet dealerships, basically anywhere there's a dealership, there's a man. Hang out by the parts department looking really good and men will flock to you, eager to trade their parts for yours. Men in dealerships have money. Guys don't go car shopping unless they have the bread to back it up. Otherwise, it just makes them feel depressed and inadequate. Do men see cars as reflection of their packages? Oh, absolutely. On that note, maybe you can find yourself a limo dealership. From my own experience, I can vouch for car dealerships. My Mercedes truck has become a total lemon. I really should trade it in, but I don't want to get rid of it. And it's not because it's a status symbol in Los Angeles. The truth is, the damn SUV is a man magnet. A steel-clad guarantee that I'll meet my weekly quota of choice members of the opposite sex. And there's one thing. Now that the fucking thing breaks down every other minute, I'm constantly sitting in my Mercedes dealership, sipping lattes, and meeting fascinating men who drive cars even hotter than mine. Get yourself a lemon car. Then when it breaks down on the side of the road, hit on the tow truck driver that shows up. <laughs> oh my goodness. That's the equivalent to her advice for lay people. 
<laughs> like, is... go to the auto body shop to hit on the greasy men that I, are not interested in talking I to you at all. I keep my car that keeps costing me lots of money because it lets me hit on people at the dealership lobby. Right. That's weird. <laughs> I told you, stalkerish and maybe not gold diggerish as it sounds. It's more stalkerish. It's cringy. But that's the top place to meet good men. But the chapter doesn't just end there, though. Would you like to hear the top 10 worst places to meet, guys? Sure. It couldn't possibly <laughs> not be, like, normal. She's going to be like, high school reunion. Don't go. You were close at number 10. Number 10 is family reunions. This is kind of self-explanatory. And yes, your cousins count. What? Why? <laughs> What family reunion has she been to where this has been a problem? Where somebody's been like, hey, how's it going? Oh, Lord. Mm-mm. So, good guess for number one without even trying. I'm sorry, number 10. Number nine, AA. Men are an addiction in and of themselves. If you're at an AA meeting, honey, it's time to focus. Now, this touches on the fact that she has been sober, which I respect, and she is right. AA is a terrible place to pick up people because they're all in various states of recovery and that includes trauma and possibly looking for something subconsciously to sub in their addiction of choice. Also, AA will tell you to not get in relationship with other AA people because it makes things messy in the group. Yeah. So... But it also makes recovery messy for each individual as well because they might be subconsciously replacing alcohol or drugs with a relationship that they can be overly obsessed to a dangerous extent. Which is why even like in AA they tell you unless you're already in like a relationship they tell you not to get into one. Right. Because the point of AA is to focus on what's going on inside of you that gave you your addiction or what might feed into your addiction or people who might be problematic because of your addiction because they're feeding your addiction they're enablers they're the reason that you feel okay to do this all right number eight is funerals if i said you had a beautiful body would you hold it against me sorry that was gross even for me but what about the funeral party on smothered the other day is does that count as a funeral or a party (laughs) Can I pick up somebody at that party? Yes, I <laughs> But it's also a funeral-themed party at a funeral home. <laughs> I just broke Chris's brain, guys. <laughs> I just broke his brain. Broken. Normally, this is the opposite. He breaks my brain. Well, stiff in the box isn't the only thing stiff. Oh, my God. <laughs> oh, my God. Just, yeah, like... Again, I think normal people would understand not to hit on people at funerals. I think everyone's too grief-stricken to think about that. At least that's how I feel at a funeral. Like, I'm sad. I don't want to fuck anybody here. I want my friend to come back or my family member to come back. I feel like anybody that would tell you to go do, like, pick up women at a funeral is going to be one of those, like, the game bros where that are into like peacocking and that kind of stuff and preying on vulnerability to where they're going to tell you hey go pick up a chick at a funeral because they're they're going to be desperate for consoling and all that it's like that's gross don't don't hit on people at funerals those are the same guys who want you to find the girl that's crying at the bar it's the same vibe yeah don't do that janice is right about this so far she's pretty spot on number seven is outlet malls A little low rent for my taste. I mean, I wouldn't pick up anyone at the malls. I also wouldn't go to a male clothing store (laughs) that a fancier shopping outlet and go gawk at men either. Like, the mall in general. Like, don't flirt with people who are clearly trying to be on about their day. 
I mean, I guess when we were younger, flirting at the mall was a thing because the mall was the hangout when we were in like high school, if when we were teenagers 500 years ago. If you're going to pick up people, don't pick them up at the Kmart. Pick them up at a boutique where that, you know they're going to have money. That's pretty much what this says to me. Like, that's exactly what this says in so many words. I know you bought my book probably at said Kmart, but you're trashy for <laughs> shopping at Kmart. I bought my original copy of Borders so. at a mall in downtown Milwaukee, like the year I moved out there. So, I mean, does, that doesn't really count as an outlet mall, but no. it's a small mall in downtown Milwaukee that was dying. It was a dying mall. I don't even know if the Grand is still there. Friends in Milwaukee, let me know if the Grand is still there in downtown. Okay, so another no-no, and I so, feel like this should go... So that last one was really just poor people. Gross. <laughs> I guess. It, it shows off her gold diggery advice. Like, dig for gold, sisters, dig for gold. So number six, this should go without saying, traffic lights. Guys just aren't themselves behind the wheel of a car. They have a bullshit American graffiti fantasy that makes them all think that they're Mario Andretti. Get them on a date and you'll be flashing them a stale yellow within five minutes. And by that, I think she means the check. Excuse me, when I get behind the wheel, I like to fantasize that I am Waluigi. And <laughs> we're in a game of Mario Kart. No, I'm kidding. Ooh. Ooh, I, I, no. Don't, I don't have drag racing fantasies when I drive. And if anything, I am very much aware of I could die at any moment in a car crash. Okay, so but I'm hyper vigilant. Okay, but you just broke my heart. The Waluigi <laughs> thing was really getting to me. I have a Waluigi <laughs> fetish and then you told me just kidding. I throw I take back my ooh woo. I throw out banana peels out the driver's side window ooh. to try and make other cars crash out because we're in a giant race. Oh, that's so sexy. I get some, I get weird stares when I throw painted turtle shells at other cars. <laughs> I just give my I just give Chris a sexy face and he just lost it. Sorry guys, but, I got a little bit a little bit off track there for a second. But yeah. I'm like Waluigi. I am not somebody that fantasizes <laughs> about drag racing or racing in general when I'm driving. If anything, I'm cautious about the possibility of getting in a wreck or dying. No offense to the NASCAR fans listening, but that's just not our thing. So I don't know. That's not true for all men, I, but... Also, traffic lights, I really wouldn't open my window and be like, hey, sexy, I know you're trying to get to work right now, and so am I, but would you like to skip and get coffee with me? Like, what? <laughs> like, really, what? <laughs> like, how would you even? What movie are we watching right now? <laughs> Number five is fantastic advice, and I can vouch for this one for experience. Chris, do you have a guess what number five is? I have no idea. Like, It's work. Don't work. shit where you eat. Yeah. She says, oh, don't shit where you eat. That's exactly what she says. Simple as that. And no, I don't care how degrading that metaphor is to the act of love between a man and a woman. Now, I have in the past dated people I've worked with, and it never ended well because there was always a breakup. And then things were awkward. So Chris and I waited till well after we were done being coworkers to get together. Like, it's been some years since we both worked at the place that we met. Yeah. And we were friends for years outside of that before we got together. But this is good advice because if, if you guys break up or if you flirt with a person and it doesn't 
go over well because this has happened to me where someone has flirted with me and it didn't go over well and it really ruined things for me at that job because that person was constantly vicious towards me because I turned her down and it got to a point where I had to quit. Now in situations where I've dated coworkers where I've broken up with them, it just made things really awkward until one of us would transfer or quit. Yeah, as somebody that has also made that mistake, um, it does make things really, really fucking awkward. And it also invites the entire work staff to be all up in your business. This is true. This is very mm. true. So yes, moral of the story, learn from our mistakes. Do not date your coworkers. Just don't do it. I don't care how attractive they are unless one of you quits. And I don't advise you to quit to date somebody because then you can't pay your bills. It's just messy. It will just be messy and stay messy. Even if you marry the person, I feel like it still gets messy because people are nosy. So I think it's good advice. There may be a handful of examples where things have worked out for people and congratulations, good for you, you are unicorns. But this is good advice. You should not pick up people where you work. Number four, this one kind of makes me chuckle. Fast food drive through windows. Because if you keep eating fast food, good luck finding a guy. So, you know, the model in her saying, one, this will make you fat, but also they're beneath her. But also... Did she pick up somebody through a fast food window? <laughs> I think she was just trying to flesh this out with 10 things and she didn't have any other things to flesh this out with. But also maybe a friend of hers did or a friend of hers in air quotes Would you did. like to supersize that order? Yes, I definitely want to supersize my order. Supersize me, daddy. Okay, first <laughs> window. <laughs> I'll be there with bells on. <laughs> okay. Okay. Ooh, number three. Number three. Moving on past our little um, <laughs> fast food erotica here. <laughs> number three is jail. Prison is never a good place to find yourself, let alone a man. Well, then what's going to happen to that one show we watch? Also, in prison, um, you are segregated by sex. Well, I think she means don't find a pen pal. Okay. I think she means that. You know, like that show that we watch, what's it called again? That one. The Love After Lock. Yes, that. Yeah, that, that one's extra trashy. So this is basically don't, don't become Love After Lockup before Love After Lockup was actually a show. Number two. Oof. Oof. Well, today this is nearly impossible. The Internet. Where most people meet now. You know how they used to say of ugly actors, he has a face for radio? Well, if a guy's out there hunting for women online, chances are he has a face and personality for the web. Plus, some of those weirdos really could be hunting for women. And remember this, if the camera adds 10 pounds, the web adds 40. See, this was written in 2006. So this advice doesn't age very well. Like, I get what she's saying, because back then there really weren't a lot of dating sites. It was mostly you met on MySpace, I guess. Yeah, and online dating hadn't become, like, the beast that it is today. But the problem with that is the owners of Match.com basically bought up all their competition and have turned all online dating into Tinder. Yeah. It's all swipe rights, right, left. Like, there is no difference in the ecosystem. I feel like we live in a very fast-paced society, in quotes, in America. So we live in a very, like, hookup culture. Everything's abbreviated. TikTok's got our attention spans down. Like, I feel like with internet dating and Tinder and hooking up and stuff, 
it's a lot different of an atmosphere now than it was in 2006. But I also feel like with the hustle culture that America lives by, no one really has time to meet anyone because they're at work. And again, you should not date your coworkers. So what do you do? You meet people on the internet when they have five minutes. Like, I'm glad I met you organically because I agree that the internet is not necessarily the best place to meet partners, but I did meet my best friend in the world on the internet. So I can say that you can have an internet success story platonically, so you could probably have it romantically as well. Oh yeah, it's very likely. So it really just kind of depends on the situation, but also we're living in a different time than when this book came out. So dating on the internet is, it's more accessible, it's more accepted, and it's kind of expected now with the way our world is working. I I would definitely say nowadays it is not the weird, like, niche group that it used to be. It's not just a bunch of, as she would probably think it, weird weebs that don't shower. As she probably thinks of us nerd types. Also, I hate the word weeb. Sorry, fellow nerds. I do not ever want you to call me a weeb. I'm a nerd. All right, so number one. Remember how she said for number two, delicatessens in rich neighborhoods were a great place to meet guys? Again, kind of weird. Number one is bakeries of where not to meet people. Unless you really want to meet a fat slob whose idea of a hot night out is going out around the ovens where they make the donuts and cupcakes and that brick bread they used to make French toast. So delicatessens are a yes. Bakeries are a no because only fatties hang out at the bakery. One, that's very superficial. First of all, that's very superficial. And two, again, I feel like this is a classism thing because she said delicatessens were great because rich men own them or rich men hang out at them. But bakeries are accessible to more people or cater with better prices to normal people. So not only do I feel like that was very superficial, I do feel like that was just another instance of her being kind of a gold digger. Yeah. Or advising you to become a gold digger. Also, besides the sweets that most bakeries offer... Fresh baked bread is awesome. Oh, fresh baked bread is the best. And it smells great. So, Not only does it smell great, it's delicious. Also, I like pastries. I don't have to go to a fancy place to get a donut or like a macaroon. Yeah. Like I like going to local bakeries. I think it's great. I don't like the pastries at Starbucks. I will go to a real bakery. That's just my opinion. Well, we're trash people for enjoying bakeries, apparently. Good thing I'm not trying to pick up a man because I'm going to an actual bakery. So she wraps this up by basically saying, These are some of my stack-the-deck places to meet mates, but the truth is you can meet a guy anywhere, anytime, even though there's 10 places you shouldn't try to. For this reason, you should make sure you have mascara and lip gloss on at all times, even that no-makeup-look is always enhanced by these two simple ingredients. The strangest place I've ever met a guy was on a long, long escalator. He was going up and I was going down. Funny, I often advise women to go down when they find a man on his way up. He was staring at my legs, which is how I knew I had him cold. He pointed at his ring finger, which was not only empty, but had no tan line to suggest he'd hastily tugged it off and hidden a wedding band. I pointed at mine, which was also ring free. Then, just as we were about to pass each other on those moving stairs, he gave me the perfect pitch. Literally, he flicked me his business card, which landed on my outstretched palm. Gotta love destiny. I called him three days later. Why wait? I had a lot of shopping to do. So weird that she says you can meet a guy anywhere at any time. So make sure you look hot, girls. But she also has 10 places she said we shouldn't meet men because they're beneath her. Also, make sure you carry business cards with you. for Gentlemen. 
For hookups. <laughs> of course. That sounds like some pickup artistry shit. Also, what if this man was just a con man and was like hanging out in the airport and just looking rich? You know, it was, that was weird. But also, you can meet a man anywhere. So make sure you look hot, girls. Don't be out there with no makeup looking like yourself. Just make sure you're hot all the time. Listen, you have to look great to be objectified by the opposite sex at all times. Right. You can't ever be a person. Right. Even though you need to make sure that you focus on yourself in the relationship. So I'm a girl who likes to do my makeup to go to the grocery store, but I am also a girl who will not put on makeup to run around the corner to grab something real quick. So sorry, Janice. Sometimes people are just going to see my actual face. Even when I was single, even if I had a chance to run into a guy I might flirt with, which I'm not really a good flirt, so I guess this doesn't matter, but I wasn't going to dress up for the possibility of maybe meeting a guy at the quick trip around the corner. Just not a thing I was going to do. But yes, this is where you meet people. Now we're going to talk about the pickup. She says, men are like actors. They feel like they're nothing without good lines. They will say literally anything to get your attention. Forget about men and their lines. Once it's obvious the sparks are flying, I always recommend making the first move. I ask men out all the time. And then I'm going to skip down here. And she says, you have to initiate things in this life. If you see a guy you like, you have to take the lead. Because guys are basically stupid, (laughs) as some of their choice pickup lines prove. So I like the whole take the lead thing. I like that a lot. But I don't think all men use pickup lines. But I've had it happen to me a lot. Men can be a bit, and women can be a bit silly with that. So basically this chapter, she talks about pickup lines and having what she calls an RFR, or a rapid fire response, for shooting these lines down. And we hit another listicle, because we like listicles on this podcast, called the top 10 shitty pickup lines and how to put them down. So I'm going to hand Chris a piece of paper with the top 10 shittiest pickup lines in a section of this episode we're going to call Chris Creeps on Elsa. Now, Chris, hit me with line number 10, please. Line number 10 is, I must be in heaven because you're an angel. (laughs) For some reason, this line works on lots of women. Something about being called an angel turns girls into suckers. Literally, But this line's sheer cliche factor should turn you off. You're reading a book, babe, and he probably did too. Which means he's not looking for an angel. He's looking to get laid. Tell him, we're not in heaven. And that's not the direction you're going either. (laughs) (laughs) I thought you looked so wounded, babe. I'm fine. Remember, I was reading some of the ones ahead and I'm just like, that's not a pickup line. But okay. (laughs) Number nine. What do you do for a living besides looking sexy? <laughs> ooh, ooh. <laughs> I can't even ooh, ooh properly. <laughs> oh my god. This one is easy for me because that is what I do for a living. But if you're not a supermodel, come back with, I'm Moonlight with the bullshit police and you're under arrest. I couldn't even say what a straight face. <laughs> this is the one I was saying is not a pickup line because it could literally be a legit question. <laughs> I know. Number eight is... Is that your car parked outside? Like, if she's shooting somebody down, what if it was like just legit an employee like, hey, you're parked in a fire lane, you need to move it. Or somebody wanting to ask her about how they like it, how she likes it. When a guy truly has nothing to say and no imagination, something generic like this is his calling card. Just reply smoothly, no, it's my boyfriend's. Why? Is it giving you a complex? (laughs) 
And then I followed that up with, because I want you to know, I have the exact transformer of that car. Check, please. <laughs> Check. I, just, I say as I look at the star scream on my desk, which belongs to me. Watch watch somebody like Janice. Like, no, no, <laughs> nope, this is not the way I wanted this to go. Oh, my Lord. Number seven. I don't need pickup lines. Baby, I just smile and play dumb. <laughs> Nobody's going to say that to a person because I'm not going to interact with you if you say that to me. Oh, my God. Oh, God. This is usually a reply to a bad reaction to their first pickup line. If they use this, that makes them zero for two. I don't believe in giving three strikes when it comes to pickup lines. Two is more than fair. You say, I don't need pickup lines either. I just smile and walk away. Again, if somebody said this to me, I just wouldn't even respond to them. Oh, Lord. I walk away whenever anyone uses these yeah. types I want of you to know I just smile and I am empty-headed. I am a fucking moron. <laughs> you want to you wanna go and do stuff with me? Because I'm an idiot and won't be able to engage in any conversation with you. <laughs> ugh, ugh, me caveman. <laughs> ugh, ugh, sex like, time. Nope, I would never <laughs> say that. Like. Number six. I just inherited $500 million and I need someone to spend it on. This one is hard to resist. Even if you're not a born gold digger like Janice Dickinson. Okay, I added that part. The Janice Dickinson part. But how likely is it that a guy who just inherited half a billion bucks is hanging out in a polo shirt and a gold chain with no idea how to manscape his bushy eyebrows? Tell him, why don't you spend it on yourself? I know a great plastic surgeon. (laughs) So again, like, if somebody's bragging about money like this, they probably don't have it. Oh, no. I actually, story time, actually, short story. Me and a girl I used to be friends with were hanging out at a bar in a different part of town. And we had these couple of guys come up to us. They were like old, raggedy looking dudes. And they were like, hey, we're hanging out with our billionaire friends in their mansion down the street. And we want you guys to come with us. First of all, there were no mansions down the street. You know what part of town I used to live in? Yeah. And second of all, these people were so grungy and dingy and disgusting looking that there's no way a billionaire was hanging out with them. Hey, do you want to come hang out in the crack house and get murdered, possibly? That's kind of the vibe they were giving, yeah. So obviously we stayed firmly sat at at our booth and those men left for the night. You make me want to be a better... This is number five. You make me want to be a better man. Let's start now. Wink. (laughs) For all of you who love changing guys, this line is invented for you. Resist with, I can't. I'm too busy being a better woman than that. So on this one, I, I, it's if anybody tries to use this on you, just, again, it's somebody that probably doesn't have their shit together and just avoid them. <laughs> but this next one is number four. So I, I clearly need to uh, put some emotion in this one. <laughs> because this, if somebody said this to me, I'm just going to walk away. My wife just left me. (laughs) If you said that to pick up chicks, I would slap you. Like, girl, I am right here. But anyway, (laughs) sad and pathetic and just very common. It reminds me of my second marriage. Tell him she had a point. Listen, listen, I'm I'm desperate. I'll I'll sleep with anything. What what do you want me to do? There's a bush outside that you can sleep with, but I'm not going to sleep with you tonight. Yeah, if your wife just left you and that's your pickup line, you need to go to therapy. Also, you're probably still married. Very likely. If you're thinking about a wife. Because you're not 
doing this with an imaginary you're, wife. You're clearly not over your current relationship. So, yeah, no, maybe consider not hitting on me at the bar if your wife just left you. Or anyone at the bar if your wife and just let you. Number three, again, like most of these have not been <laughs> pickup lines. Number three, <laughs> I look so good, I don't need a pickup line. Such a douchey thing to say. So she says, especially offensive if the guy is a toad on top of being an egomaniac, but even a good-looking guy has no business being so upfront with you. Say, I don't like stand-up comedy. Oh, okay. (laughs) (laughs) I mean, oh, okay to that line, too. (laughs) Just what? Yeah, like, like I would just, like, if somebody used, like, said this to me, I'd be like, okay, bye. Right. Ain't no lie, baby. Bye, bye, bye. Oh, number two. (laughs) My favorite one on this list. Nice legs. What time do they open? Talk about skeezy as shit. Yeah. <laughs> Just gross. Try our location on no fucking way. That's a good answer to that. Because ew. Just ew. Who would say that? Only on holidays. <laughs> Just ew. Who would no, say it's, that? It's a gross line. Just, has someone actually said that to you, Janice? Like, Ew. And this one's creepy and kind of Freddy Krueger-ish. I've heard this one before <laughs> that you're about to read. Your feet must be tired because you were running through my dreams last night. That's a cringy way to say you're my dream girl as a pickup line. This is the all-time most overused BS pickup line. You've got every right to say, oh, are we making up country song titles? How about all I want from you is a way? Country song titles? You mean like the guy who said he wanted to like fuck his tractor? Oh my god! <laughs> Country music is cringy as fuck. Right. Oh lord. Or that he got turned on by his tractor. Cringe AF. But yes. So then we go into um, talking about RFR, which is rapid fire response. We're going to talk about positive and negative. So she says for positive, pick up RFR. If the right guy asks for your number... Don't say, yeah, sure. What's that mean anyway? You should say, mandatory. I'm like a magic eight ball sometimes. Mandatory. Of course. Ask me later. It appears not to be known. Mandatory works as a reply to almost anything anyone could ever ask. Extreme? Maybe. But I'm not a halfway kind of girl. Mandatory, Chris. It's <laughs> mandatory, whatever you're about to ask me. <laughs> Just reply mandatory. <laughs> Right. <laughs> hey, hey, baby, can I have your number? Mandatory. <laughs> right? Right? Like, what? So, you want ketchup or mustard? Mandatory. mandatory. That's not what I asked. <laughs> mandatory. So then we talk about negative pickup RFR. How to kill his interest. We've all had guys we really want nothing to do with trying to hit on us. Facts, girl, facts. The best way to put them off Tell them you have a boyfriend. Seems simple, but it's an instant all-purpose turn-off. And if it's not, he's even worse than you think. Just shut down and go into deep ignore mode. If that fails, tell him he makes you want to throw up. In no instance where a guy has hit on me, okay, in very few instances where a guy has hit on me has, I have a boyfriend, fiance, husband ever deterred anybody. Walking away is what deters them. Yeah. I've actually had guys say, well, he can watch or invite him to come along. Or I know how to be discreet. (laughs) Right. Listen, I I am, if you hook up with me, I am not a faithful person. Um, I will cheat on you as well. Yeah, basically. That's, that's the vibe saying, I know how to be discreet, well, Gibbs. I know how to be discreet means you can keep your man, but I'm going to be your mistress. 
Yeah. Or whatever you call a guy mistress. Well, and if you ever leave that person for them, they're also going to cheat on you. Well, yeah, of course. Of course. Ask Ariana Maddox about all this shit. Yeah. But we'll get to that down the road. Just wait. The last thing Janice mentions in this chapter is that you need to be aware of guys who want to date you for career advancement. Like, she told a story at the end of this chapter about a guy she saw at a coffee shop that was into her. She did the ignore him for attention thing and the walk out and whatever. And then he comes and talks to her. And when she asks him what he does, she he says he's a model. And then he starts, like, asking her about things like Ford and stuff, which is an agency that she has had a negative experience with. But basically, she wraps it up by saying that any guy who is trying to date you to get up the career ladder is always bad news. Also, it goes in line with the don't date people you work with. Well, in this case, don't date someone who wants to do what you do or someone that wants to work where you work. Because this person obviously didn't work with her. Yeah. But because she's a famous supermodel, he thought maybe having her as a girlfriend or a reference would help his case. And your power dynamic, again, is going to be off. Yes, definitely so. If anyone's dating you for access to career perks or because they think they can get a leg ahead because they're dating you, they're going to leave you as soon as they get what they want. Yeah, they're they're not dating you because they like you. And they're not going to pay any attention to you outside of what you can tell them about their what they're trying to get from you. So I agree with that. I would never date anyone who thought they could get ahead because I'm X, Y, or Z. Fortunately, I am not a famous X, Y, or Z, so, you know, dating me will get you nowhere career-wise. I'm glad that I'm with the right one who isn't dating me to get ahead in whatever this is that I'm doing with my life right now. (laughs) In fact, this podcast that we're doing was your idea. Yeah, and we're doing it together. Right, equally. (laughs) That's why we're taking turns reading books and talking to each other. But also, we're not dating each other to do this podcast. We could have still done this as friends. Yes. And neither one of us is going to get ahead on what we're doing for a career now by just dating each other. Like, great, we're dating. Now what? (laughs) But anyway. Yeah, so that's how she ends out the pickup chapter. And we move into lesson seven. And it's getting ready for your date. Aren't you excited to get ready for your date, babe? Yep. (laughs) All right, so she leads in with saying that good grooming is important. I can't really read the section I have marked out because I don't know if I can say this on like Spotify. Basically, um, groom up, make sure your lady bits are maintained, and yeah, make sure that you pay attention to your personal hygiene. And then she advises you to psych yourself up. And she advises you to do it however you do it, yoga, music, whatever it is. So basically, maintenance, we're going to call it, hygiene, and psych yourself up, which I think is great. Yeah. That's all accurate you have to do all those things before a date take care of yourself because your partner would appreciate it but also you should have enough self-respect to also take care of yourself exactly so after saying all that we get to a section in this lesson that says if you don't look good you don't look good so she says here that there's no such thing as casual dating at least not until you've already done the walk of shame we're talking about legit dating setup then you have to treat each date like it's your last chance to find true love, baby. Make it count. Make an impression. Show up looking like you just rolled out of bed and you'll be rolling back into it alone. Groom for yourself, not for the guy. When you're spending $100 to get your hair blown out, don't think of it as a dating expense. If only we could deduct this shit from our taxes. 
Think of it as a kind of blowjob you're getting for yourself. <laughs> the same goes for getting your teeth professionally whitened or a fake tan sprayed on. You're doing this for you. You're not living your life for men. You're living it for you. If a man comes along to enjoy your life, your body, and your you, well, that's just dumb luck. So, yeah. You don't look good. You don't look good, which means you don't make a good impression. But also, you're doing this for you. Put yourself first in a sexy way. Would, Put yourself first for him. I wouldn't say, like, that's bad advice to do those kinds of things for yourself. Yeah. Like, I, I do think that's, like, good advice. <clears throat> But I also do feel like that's, for her, it's coming from a, this will guarantee that you get him, so it's less like that she's doing it. Basically, she's saying to make a good impression, you have to dress up for every date until you've already hooked up. Yeah, I mean, yeah, yes and no. I feel like you should dress for the occasion, and she does mention that somewhere in this book, that dressing for the occasion is important. But also, apparently, dress up for every date. And then Janice goes ahead and she puts together in a little section for us a walk of shame survival kit if you plan to hook up with the guy. So we've got Janice D's walk of shame survival kit. If you know in advance there's going to be a morning after, don't leave home without the following items in a tiny bag hidden on your person somehow magically. And here's why I say somehow magically. We're going to read the list. Tiny rolled up shirt. Fresh G-string. Hot little fucking tank, toothbrush and toothpaste, makeup and MAC makeup remover, moisturizer. And a tiny bag hidden on your person. Hidden where? Hidden where exactly? With a full <laughs> ass outfit in it. Like what? <laughs> Just take a big purse with you that you could fit that stuff in. Because I like to carry a decent sized bag because I bring books with me everywhere. But this is the Walk of Shame Survival Kit. If you're going to hook up, make sure you have this, babe. That little G-string and that skirt. <laughs> you just look so repulsed. I'm not repulsed. I'm just like, this seems silly to me as advice. Yeah. Let's see. Like, this, this seems more like if you're going to hook up and then you're going to like spend the next day there. Yeah. Then we go back into a section called Ready Wear where she talks again about how appearances are important. She says, there's really no such thing as a good first date uniform. We all have outfits we're most comfortable in, but you have to tailor what you wear or get sewn into, depending on the dating situation. I've done formal dates, I've done casual, but even casual for me isn't casual. I'm not pulling on a Stones t-shirt and some jeans I haven't washed in a month, meeting some guy at Wendy's, you know? I'm engaging in mutual seduction, and I'm seeing how far it will go. That's a very different thing. The way you look always matters, and anyone who says it doesn't is a liar. It even matters what you look like in the bathroom. You have to have class in the way you look, even if you're standing there stark naked. The minute you let your guard down in a relationship or dating, or start to become slovenly with the way you eat, or the minute a guy forgets he's supposed to be opening the door or holding a chair for you, chewing with his mouth open, well, those are all deal breakers. Don't chew food with your mouth open. It's gross. But yeah. But also, if you asked me to open a door for you, I would, but... I don't require it's, it. I can open my own it, damn door. It's not something like, I feel like that's very, very old fashioned. Like, it's very antiquated for sure. People, it's pe cute, but it shouldn't be a requirement. People that think like that are generally people that want like a trad relationship. Which is weird because I don't think Janice really thrives in those types of relationships. All right. So we move on to lesson eight now where we're going to stack the odds for seduction. So... She recommends what she calls a seduction first aid kit in this chapter. 
She says, I don't care if you're on date number one or date number 1,000. You must focus on seduction. It doesn't have to be a three-ring circus, and it doesn't have to lead to sex. Wait, do blowjobs count or not? I can't tell anymore. But whatever your speed, you have to incorporate some kind of seduction into your dating life. I've used every type of seduction in the book. That said, I'm here to tell you that the basics still work, which is why they've been around for so long. Candles anywhere and everywhere. Wine, unless you don't drink. And scented bath predate. I love the way you're looking at me right now. Just because the uh, the whole line of do blowjobs still count. I'm like, <laughs> how do you seduce your man? I blow him. That's how I seduce a man. Oh my lord. Most of this chapter really can be cut out. Like she tells some stories that I didn't think were very interesting. And I'm going to leave some of these stories out. So if you guys want to read the book, you'll have something to look forward to. So we skip to a section that says time to reflect. And she says... Now that you're physically ready and mentally psyched for your date, you must consider yourself the mirror master. This is one of the absolute keys to dating and relationships. It's about putting out a vibe. Put out the joy vibe, and you'll get it reflected back at you. Put out the jealous, insecure, mental case vibe, and the man will act the same way. It's an easy lesson, but true. Your date will mirror your mood. Just as important, you need to take care not to mirror his move if he's being negative. So kind of about matching energies and putting out positive energy, I guess. I mean, I, I get that. Like, I would not want to be on a date with somebody being super negative. Also, wouldn't want to be on a date with somebody that seemed overly insecure. Yeah. Like about being with said person. I kind of identify as an empath. So when people are uncomfortable... Or when people are upset, I read that. I feel like on some level or another, people do kind of feel uncomfortable when someone around them is uncomfortable. Or if you put out a vibe that you're upset, most people are going to be uncomfortable or wonder what's going on. Or if you're being insecure and negative, a lot of people are going to respond to that with discomfort or frustration. Yeah. So I understand the need to put out a vibe, but I feel like you should also be genuine. So make sure you're putting out positive vibes, but don't be fake with your date. Like if they're making you uncomfortable, you should let them know that. You shouldn't try to turn that around. Also, if you are feeling insecure about the person you're dating and it's like related on like trust levels, you should not be with that person. No, you shouldn't. Definitely not. If you can't trust your partner, then your relationship has no foundation. Yeah. The foundation is gone. So there's not much you can do with that person. She does advise also that when a guy is talking to you, you need to let your imagination run wild. Like fantasize about doing something sexy with him or fantasize about being on a beach with him doing sexy stuff. (laughs) Don't don't engage and listen to your partner. Instead, (laughs) think about something more interesting than the blah, blah, blah coming out of their mouth. Right. She, basically, she tells a short story where she was leaving a hotel and the young hot bellhop was into her. And he was carrying her bags and stuff. And she says, I was imagining being with him on the perfect four-mile stretch of beach at Cabo San Lucas and giving him a little fun in the penthouse. She says, dream that stuff up as you're talking and I promise your guy will know it. It will conjure up a vibe. I'm not kidding. Go there in your mind and the look on your face will be his passport to join you. So she says, act the way you want them to act. If you act nervous, jittery, or calculating, they're going to do the same, whether you want them to or not. And you'll sit there wondering why this guy is a nervous, jittery, calculating jerk-off. If your date's turning out to be an ass, maybe it's because you were an ass first. By the way, I'm not advising you to act calculating, 
but that doesn't mean you shouldn't be calculating. That's what this book is about. Just don't show it. On the other hand, if you reveal some of your vulnerability, he might show some of his too. He might even take you straight into his heart. And if he does, you'll have yourself to thank. And of course, moi. Start off fresh tomorrow with this attitude. It works in non-situations too. So I like how she had to point out not to act calculating, but advise people to be calculating. That is a little silly design. Like, uh, be calculating, but don't be calculating. Don't let him know you're being calculating. That's exactly it. Don't let him know you're manipulating the situation. All right, so then we move on to lesson nine. Late's not good for very important dates or periods. Okay, so she starts off with what I'm taking as kind of a joke, but with Janice, we don't know. She says, women, you know we have a 007 license to be late. We can safely show up 15 minutes after the starting bell. After all, we have more advanced work to do, and we need to create an entrance. A man must never be late. If a man is more than 15 minutes late, he's a prick. If he's more than 30 minutes late, he's probably toxic in every way. Avoid. So basically, this discusses tardiness, I guess. So she can be late, but the person she's seeing and or her partner cannot be late. This feeds back into the old stereotype of women take forever to get ready and by proxy we're always late. But men always have to be on time. Double standard. Now, I know with you, like, being on time is like a dead set thing. (laughs) You do not like to be late. It gives me anxiety to be late. I know. And I, I know that about you. And I know I am a very much more laid back person. I do not like being late. It gives me anxiety. But you are much more chill and laid back. So this is kind of ironic that we're reading this as advice. But I'm the one who cares about being on time. And you're the one who's likely to make us late. Yeah, out of the (laughs) two of us, if we did the who would, I would definitely be the who in that (laughs) question. Yeah, but I feel like on dates, especially first ones, both parties should be on time. I don't think it's fair for either party to be late unless it's a little bit late and you let the person know ahead of time, like, hey, I got caught in traffic or, hey, work held me a couple extra minutes or something. Well, and I do that now. Like, if I get stuck at work, I will text you and be like, hey, I'm stuck with doing this at work. I'm going to be home, like, within this time period now. Yeah. Yeah. Because it's just the polite thing to do. Exactly. So, yeah. She's on that double standard here. But basically, I think the moral of the story is being on time is important. That's how I'm choosing to read that. And then... This next section, I think, is actually important, and I agree with her take here. She calls this section Have a Nice Life Express, and it's about showing up to a date individually so that if something bad happens, you can leave. Basically, she says, if timing is important, you'll want to be able to vanish into thin air in no time flat if your date reveals himself to be a jackass. I know some women find the let's meet their dates too modern and impersonal, but I don't see it that way. On a first date, you must meet the guy at your rendezvous point because you have to have your car available to split if it doesn't work out. You've got to have a getaway plan. You're like Al Capone. You can't sit with your back to the door and you can't put your happiness in the hands of some man who could turn out to be a total pig, unless you have a way out. Don't let him pick you up. Either meet him for the first date or stick an extra $100 in your pocket so you have cab fare to go home. Try asking a man for cab fare to flee your date with him. It's not smooth. But I agree with this. Like, no, what if it's a dangerous situation you end up in? It's good advice. Like, I would definitely advise 
anybody to go to a date in their own vehicle if they have access to it. Or make sure you have money, and nowadays you could use Lyft or Uber Yeah. to get away. But you should go into a first date with an exit strategy. I absolutely agree, because you never know how the situation might turn out. And then she ends the chapter with some simple advice. We're getting ready to build up the date, so she says... The best thing you can do to prepare is just to relax, which is pretty good advice. If you're an anxious person like I am, just relax is, it's scary to hear it, but it's really good advice in a situation like this where you might wind yourself up when you're really just going to meet another person. You're just going to have a conversation, ideally a conversation, if the date goes well. So she ends this by saying, take a deep breath and relax. So then we move on to lesson 10. First dates are crucial. So she starts us off with a section called good first date settings. And she says, what's the number one stupidest thing you can agree to do on a first date? Unfortunately, it's also the number one most common dating scenario, but resist it. You know what I'm talking about. Never do dinner and a movie on a first date. You don't need to get ignored by a guy on a first date. You don't need to be outshone by some huge silver screen or by Cameron fucking Diaz shaking her little white girl booty all over it. If a guy asks you to a movie, he goes in the ass category. So you want to talk about the three categories of men? Um, I would say I don't totally agree with her on the ass classification of a dinner and a movie date. I feel like if you do those in reverse order, it can be a a really fun date because even if the movie is bad you can still talk about the movie at dinner that's true but i see where that could be a point of contention if he doesn't ask you any questions about you or vice versa but then i think what with what you're saying it's a good way to make the conversation comfortable and then you can start talking about yourselves because you have a point to where you're relating on something yeah so i feel like that would be a possibility of something that you could do that would make this classic dinner in a movie, he doesn't talk to you thing, less problematic. Well, and it also seems like one of her things that she's upset about is if she is outshone in vanity by the celebrity showing up on the movie screen. Yeah, so it kind of plays into if you're insecure or if you're secure in yourself, or if you can, you know, let yourself know, hey, it's just a movie, we're on a first date, whatever he's thinking about this actress is none of my business. Like, I have some insecurity, sure, but I don't sit here whenever we go to a movie and think, oh yeah, he's probably thinking how sexy the leading lady is. Like, no. That's why the only movie I will take Rochelle (laughs) to go see is the Goofy movie. (laughs) (laughs) Because we can both bond over how Max is being a total asshole. To his dad throughout that movie. (laughs) That's the most romantic movie of all time ever. Even though there's very little actual romance in that movie. (laughs) Well, it's about Max wanting to ditch his dad to go to a concert. To impress a girl. To impress a girl. Oh my god. (laughs) There you have it. Our our hot take. Goofy movie. Best dating movie ever. The only movie you could take a date to. (laughs) If you're as insecure as Janice. Then she goes on to break down men into three categories. She says, guys come in three categories. The asses, the assholes, and the assholders. The asses are silly fucks who don't know any better, but they can be improved. The assholes are hopeless. They have to go. The assholders aren't really guys you date. They're not even guys you leave the house with, but they're fun while they last. 
So guys you hook up with, I guess. So these are the three types of men. There are no other variations. <laughs> they're just all this one kind of man. Well, they're one of these three kinds of yeah. men. Or they could be some combination of all three of these. But yes, apparently men are all asses of some sort. Yeah, that's very telling about her dating history. Because again, we know she has a checkered dating history that we're not really discussing too hard. But I don't think it's fair to say all men are awful in one way or another. I mean, we can say that all people are awful in one way or the other. But I would like to think that all people are good in some way or another. When I'm going into a date, I try to think positively. I'm not going to... Just sit here and think to myself as I get psyched up for a date, which of the three asses is my date going to be? Like, what? You, you would hope that you were with somebody that was that you were into for because you thought of them as being a good person. Exactly. Like, I'm not going to have a preconceived notion because you're a man that you're going to be an ass of some sort. Like, no. Ew, that's gross. I would like to think, oh, I like this guy. So... I hope I'm right about this guy and I can't wait to get to know him. Well, after classifying men into the three ass categories, she goes on to say, back to the point, that on a first date, you need to get to know the person, which is a good point. Yeah. You need to get to know the person. I don't think doing movie and then dinner is a bad way to do that, but I do think the point of a first date is to get to know people. Yeah, and if you just want to talk back and forth, then do just dinner or do like a coffee date. Like, Coffee dates are the best. I love those. Or you just, where it's just you and the other person and you're not doing something super serious and it's easy to duck out of if things aren't going great. And you'd be like, hey, this is like, if you have to like, because they're a nightmare, if you have to duck out, you can duck out. But if you just want to end things there, you can be like, I liked meeting you. You seem like a good person. I don't think there's anything here. Yeah, I agree with that. And you're not spending, like, an exorbitant amount of money on dinner. Exactly. I think that's a good point, too. So she had a good point with this, right? And then she ends this with saying, You pay, they don't play. Back on the antiquated, the man should always pay for the first date. Which then again, that brings me back to my point of, if it's a coffee date, you're not investing a lot. Yeah. And in, in, out of your own income. But also, I don't think it's a bad... Or also, I don't think it's fair to expect men to always pay for the first date. Like, she says even a 50-50 is a bad play. I don't mind paying for my half of a date. Especially on a first date where I just got to know you. I don't know what your financial situation is. And maybe if it doesn't go well and I don't want to see you again, I don't want you to feel like I owe you for paying for this date. Like, I'm not going to put out for someone I'm not interested in. Or what if I just want to take it slow? You're going to expect something from me if I expect you to pay the check. It's, again, in line with, like, trad relationships. Right. Again, being a product of her time, I suppose. I wouldn't judge how my date went on whether or not the guy paid or if he took me to a movie. As long as he had a portion of the date where I could talk to him. That's just my opinion. I do agree, though, that first dates are important. So that's, that's pretty much most of what I agree with in that chapter is just the title. And that you should get to know someone on a date. These trad values and all that other stuff, that can go somewhere else. That is not for me. All right, so then we move into Lesson 11, which she calls Talk Ain't Cheap. I'm not really going to go over this chapter a whole lot. Basically, she says the topics you pick for conversation on a date are important. Kind of piggybacks off of the getting to know each other kind of thing. So this is kind of a repeat of that, where she tells stories about how she's done that. So really, not going to go over that. Just when you go into a date, have some topics of conversation ready that interest you. That's pretty much all Lesson 11 is. So Lesson 12 then is bonus points for presentation. In this, she basically goes over 
how it's important to more or less like present your date. Basically, be proud to be with who you're with. In this chapter, she does tell a story where she was on a red carpet and she brought a date with her. And all these news outlets and photographers kept trying to pull her away from her date. And it was making her date feel depressed and she noticed that. So she eventually pulled him in for pictures and basically told everyone that he's there with her and she won't do the pictures without him. So basically the gist of this chapter is be proud to be out with your date and be mindful of their thoughts and feelings and make sure they're being mindful of yours. Which I feel is valid. Yeah. I appreciate that in this chapter she did make it a point to show an example of where she did take care of her partner like that because Janice is known for being an egomaniac. And I I will say that humanizes her very, very nicely. It does. And I'm glad that it made it into the book as advice that you need to be mindful of him too. Like be proud of your partner. Don't put them on a back burner and don't neglect them for some cheap attention. Then that moves us on to lesson 13, which is another very simple one. She says, if he's got his eye on the door, he's already halfway through it. So basically beware of the wandering eye. If a guy is looking at other girls while you're on a date, that's your cue to call for the check. But she also says not to flirt with other people while you're on a date because then it's his right to call for the check. So basically, if he's got the wandering eye, he's not going to be a loyal partner. And if you're willing to flirt with somebody else, you're not going to be a loyal partner. Yeah, and also, like, if you flirt with somebody else in front of that person, you're inviting that other person to do the same. Exactly. It sets a standard for either the idea of an open relationship or the idea that one partner will cheat and there will be no trust or loyalty. Moving on to lesson 14, she says that you can take it seriously without getting serious. And in this, she basically says that it's okay if you want to date just to date or date to get laid. Not every date has to be you looking for a relationship. Yeah, and that's, that's really subjective towards people. Like, like, there are people out there that can do friends with benefits and one night stand stuff and things like that. I have never been one of those people. I've always dated for long-term relationships and monogamy but I know those people are out there and more power to them I on the other hand have never dated for just a hookup like I have hooked up I have done one night stands I have had friends with benefits but I don't date those people I keep that separate but when I do date I date to be serious But I also understand the importance of letting your readers know, especially with what this book is kind of geared to, that you don't have to feel ashamed and you don't have to let your date make you feel ashamed if you're dating casually and you just want it to go for the night or just want it to go as a casual thing while you're seeing other people. Yeah. Like as long as you're putting your intentions forward, no one has the right to make you feel ashamed for not dating seriously. Much like Janice, this podcast is anti-slut shaming. We are very sex positive. We are very, we are everything positive. As long as you're not hurting yourself or other people, it's none of our business. Your life is your business. If you're happy and the people around you that you're dealing with are happy and everyone is safe. And there's consent involved. And consent, (laughs) because that goes into not hurting other people. Yes. Yes. (laughs) So yes. So basically don't feel ashamed if you're not dating to be serious and it's okay to be honest with yourself about that. All right. So lesson 15 is another listicle. Oh boy. Aren't you excited? Lesson 15 is called Sometimes It's the Men and it is the top 10 types of men you can't trust. Oh. (laughs) Oh my goodness. Does she do things like refund, fun renamings like 
the robot, the pirate, the ninja. (laughs) No, she's pretty honest with what they are. But are we ready to hear the top 10 men you can't trust? All right, so number 10, students. Yes, they're cute. Yes, they're so earnest and they're tireless in the sack. But ultimately, they're so young, they just don't have much texture to them. And they might be using you for tuition. So sugar babies. She just called that sugar babies. Don't fuck college kids. Janice, you were 50 when you wrote this. Maybe you shouldn't be fucking 19 and 20 something. So then we move on to number nine. And I've heard this one from friends, actually. Comedians. She says, these guys are nothing but trouble. They're incessantly cracking wise about things that are funny on stage, but annoying in real life. They're also tortured artists, the kind who are prone to horrible personal problems. After a few dates, you'll be wishing you were seeing a mime. Yeah, I, I, you would not want to get in a relationship with a comedian unless you wanted them to talk about your relationship on stage. And if you did get into a relationship with one, make sure that's a boundary. Yeah. Make sure that you set up a healthy and very firm set of boundaries before you date any kind of entertainer. Yeah. So then we move into number eight. And this is a personal agreement with me because I think these types of people are gross. Politicians. Yeah. She says, been there, done that. You well know who I'm talking about, but I won't get him and his wife in trouble. Overall, politicians are bad boyfriend material. In my experience, they're 100% fake and 0% around when you need them. Unless you have the same burning ambition they do, my big vote is a big no. Yeah, I would agree with not wanting to be in a relationship with a politician. Yeah, his political career is his whole life, and I feel like he would never be genuine even with me. Well, that that and whenever you're out in public, it's going to be a facade of what they're wanting to present. Yeah, that's... That's what I mean, that they're never going to be genuine, even with you, especially in the public eye. I'd say the only time, like, the only way I would be okay with that is if, like, it was something I was in a relationship with that person before that. Yeah. I feel like that would be a big conversation for me because I really have no interest in politics at all, other than the amount I have to have because I live in a state where politics runs things because, you know, that's how life works. Yeah. But I don't want to be that directly involved in politics. I would break up with a person over that. So, yes, I can big agree that politicians are a big no. All right, so number seven, boys next door. (laughs) So she's admitting to fucking a neighbor. The one thing such a guy has going for him is that he's so damn convenient. Just snap your fingers and the man down the block or down the hallway will be right there for you. So she ends up telling a story, and I'm just going to paraphrase it, where she dates her neighbor from a couple houses down, and then she breaks up with him, and then she starts seeing another guy, and he gets really upset and insecure, and it just made things very uncomfortable for her for a while. But I agree. I would never date my neighbor if there was a chance I'd break up with my neighbor. I'm also kind of surprised, though, she wasn't like, date your neighbor, because at least you know they're a property owner. (laughs) Oh my god. (laughs) Like, I'm surprised that made the list of don'ts. I mean, but then when you break up with them, it ruins her flow of steady men coming through the door if she decides she wants to casually date for a little while. He's just constantly out there watering rose bushes, scowling. (laughs) (laughs) Scowling and yelling like expletives as men come into her place. But yes, that could make for a very awkward situation when you break up with somebody and they're not over it. And then you start dating someone else. 
or you start building a roster or whatever it is you choose to do. So that brings us into number six, which is men you do business with. Yes, even if they're hot. So this is a reiteration of the don't date a coworker. Yeah. And then number five is also kind of a reiteration. It's jocks, which is kind of a reiteration of don't date gym bros. But also she kind of goes into how. But she just told us earlier to go pick up men at a gym. (laughs) Right. It's a reiteration of something she told us to do. Now she says don't date the jocks because they're chick magnets, basically, and there's a lot of insecurities with that. So again, an insecurity. So we're going to skip these three paragraphs about that because that's basically what that says. And then number four is businessmen, CEOs, venture capitalists, studio chefs, entertainment attorneys. You know, all these guys that she wanted you to pick up at the bank. Don't date those <laughs> guys because they're not going to give you any attention. When you're scoping out the bank to rob <laughs> um, and look for dates. <laughs> Um, don't actually count on getting in a relationship with those people. Right, right. That's actually your cover story for robbing (laughs) said bank, is you're looking to date a rich man. Right. So, going back on some more advice. Number three is plastic surgeons. Even though they could hook you up with a discount, things could get real ugly if you break up with them and they're your surgeon. Yes, but I would also say you'd also have to be secure in yourself with dating somebody in that industry just for the amount of people they're going to be seeing. I think that and the fact that I feel like some of these people might be critical of their partners if they're not well-adjusted human beings. Yeah. I wouldn't date a surgeon because I have a lot of insecurities about my appearance and dysmorphia. So I feel like if this person said one sideways thing about something he would love to fix on me, it would make me very insecure. So that's why I would never date a plastic surgeon. Yeah. Then number two is an obvious one. Personal assistants or men lower on the food chain in your profession. So yes, I agree with that. Personal assistants can get messy for a couple of reasons, I feel like. Part of that is... If you break up, you're Sans personal assistant, and if you put a lot on them to take care for you, you now have to figure all that stuff out for yourself. It's the same dynamic of the don't date your coworkers, but also it's that boss dynamic of you're banging your secretary. That was what I was about to come to is it's basically the same as supervisors don't bang your subordinates, basically. It causes a lot of problems, and we're all familiar with those problems, I assume. Yeah, I would say we are. So basically that's what that covers. The number one, actors. Can I take a guess as to why she said actors and that she's going to say because they're good at lying? She doesn't say that, but she does talk about how she dated one that wound up having a really huge ego and he wasn't very nice to her. So I could see big egos. Then. Like, I, I really think that depends on the actor themselves like again that's more of a personality thing to me than just like a broad generalization yeah i feel like you could have just said don't date a celebrity and it would be the same idea that some of them could be egomaniacs and some of them are nice yeah like you should be able to like if somebody starts demonstrating like that they're highly involved with themselves and narcissistic you probably don't want to be in a relationship with them yeah then she did make a list of like 20 celebrities she found interesting at that time, but I feel like that's an antiquated list. And then celebrities she's sick of. And then we get to this section, a salute to mama's boys. Oh boy. She says, it doesn't matter if you think you're the center of their universe. You're not. 
They'll forget about you in a split second when it's time to remember mama. If you're dating one of these Italian stallions, well, that's a very specific reference. She also says this about Jewish men. You know what I mean. You don't cook like mama. You don't clean like mama. You don't realize the value of a buck like mama. Chances are, the one reason you're there is that you do realize the value of a fuck, which is the only thing mama could never provide. Remind them as much as possible. It's your ace in the hole. And then this leads into a section where where she lists ways to a boyfriend's mother's heart if she's semi-sane. So advice to help you win over mama when you're dating a mama's boy. Number five, read to her. She'll love it, whether you're reading her the TV guide or her favorite cat lover publication. Bring her your celebrity magazines when you're done with them too. She'll come to associate you with excitement. Of course, I try to make sure I'm not in them before I hand them over. Nothing to say about that one? Um, I was going to say that I can definitely see like the vanity there. of Does this have anything nasty about me in it that she can use and weaponize against me? Right, back to the insecurities. She's also very much generalizing about Italian people there with the mama's boy yeah. trope. Like, Italians are not the only ones that are... Well, she mentions this. Jewish men, yeah. too. I just didn't read that first sentence that mentioned yeah. that. But also, like, anybody can have, like, the mama's boy thing. Has anyone watched I'm in Love with the Mama's mm, Boy in the audience? Yeah, like, Case in point. But no, yeah, I would never get involved in a relationship with somebody whose parental figure was almost like a spouse to them. But then the rest of this advice won't matter to you. Like, number four, bring her chocolates and tell her she can afford the calories. If she has a sweet tooth, mine it. If she prefers salt to sweet, some nice pate will make her feel spoiled. Just make sure the pate isn't spoiled too. Wow. In case mom feels like she might be fat. Try. Or if mom doesn't think she's fat, you put the idea in her head now by telling her she can afford the calories. Try and make your mother-in-law a diabetic. <laughs> well, she said if salt or things, switch it out for pate. Yeah. Was that blood pressure? Yeah. All right, moving on to number three. Take her for a walk in her wheelchair. A spin around the mall will go over big. Don't leave her in the middle of the street somewhere. <laughs> These all seem like advice from her on how to possibly murder your mother-in-law and get away with it. Maybe. Well, here. Now we're in the safer territory with number two. Listen to boring stories about her travels. As excruciating as it is, force yourself to ask to see pictures. Ask to see more. Bring a bullet to bite. Be upset when the topic of conversation is not about you. <laughs> right. Then number one is, tell her your boyfriend's ex was beautiful when she shows you photos. And she will. Your mother has never shown me photos of your ex? Ever? Like, that's, that's not a thing I've ever encountered in any of my relationships where I've met the mom. That's That's weird. That's very, very weird. But yes, that's how to win over a mama's boy's mom. And that's kind of how she closed out that lesson. Chris is just over here shaking Don't, his head. <laughs> if you want to put up with it, bless you, but I would never advise dating a mama's boy. No, no. Don't do it because mama will always be number one. You will never be at an equal footing with her and you are never going to be in an actual good partnership with them. Yeah. All right. So we are then moving into lesson 16, which is you set the rules. And in this chapter, she basically tells the story of a friend who lost a whole bunch of weight and then met a guy online. He basically ends up treating her like crap. 
and he tries to convince her when she starts to feel miserable that she should go away with him and this friend puts her foot down and says that she doesn't want to do that and she wants to do something local because she understands that what he's about to do is isolate her and continue to berate her and this ends with them breaking up basically this is a chapter about setting and respecting your boundaries yeah and i would say if anybody is like telling you to stop hanging out with your friends and things like that break up with that person they're not a good person yeah anybody that's looking to actually isolate you it is a thing that abusers do do not stay with that person i've definitely dated slash lived with an ex that did that to me and as soon as i made other friends in a different environment and i started hanging out with them that's part of what helped me to get out of that toxic relationship and the reason Mm -hmm. people like that do that is because when you start explaining your relationship dynamics to somebody from the outside they're going to hear like those red flags that you're not seeing or wanting to see and look at you and say, hey, you should probably look at like what's going on here yourself. What's happening in your relationship is not a healthy relationship. And I've experienced this myself with the relationship I just brought up because I did have a lot of friends look at me sideways about how I describe our dynamic and what was going on. And eventually that did lead me to break up with this person and to set and stand by my current set of boundaries and that's why abusers like to isolate people so yeah if you're in that situation do not listen to them continue to hang out with your friends and break up with that person if they truly have a problem with you having friends yes exactly all right so then we're moving on to lesson 17 which is dates are made to be broken and this encourages you again to leave a situation if you don't feel comfortable and we're not going to read all of this because we already kind of touched on having an exit strategy in a previous chapter but she does have a section in here titled the top five great escapes where she gives five lines to say to a date that's not going well to guarantee that you can get out of the date so number five (laughs) should i look at you all intently like we're on a date and going hmm how are you going to ditch this awful date with me (laughs) all right so attempt number five well number one which is number five on the list did i mention that i'm pregnant and looking for a father for my child Ooh. No. She says, if the man still expresses interest after this, all the more reason to call for the check. (laughs) (laughs) So we're going to try again with number four. I just had a root canal. Now we're on the date while I'm saying this to you. (laughs) So dental hygiene is important to you. Oh my God. Translation, she says. This state makes me feel like I just had a root canal or... I'd rather be having a root canal. Either way, he'll get the message unless it's Chris. <laughs> Chris does not get it. So we're going to try again with number three. Oh my God, I left a candle burning in my bathroom while I was getting ready for our date. My house will burn down. I must go. Well, firefighters are pretty sexy guys. So why don't we go together and check out those hunks together? <laughs> So not only did Chris express he still wanted to hang out with me, he expressed that he is now into men. (laughs) (laughs) To hunky, hunky firefighters that are going to show up at your place. Oh my god. I did this one once, and when I got home, realized I had left a candle burning. Okay. Okay, Janice. So fire safety is not important to her. (laughs) 
All right, so that did not deter you, and now you're interested in the men that might show up. <laughs> so I'm going to try again with number two. My uterus is falling out. Why are you on the date? <laughs> oh, God. <laughs> Good question. <laughs> Good question. Like, if you're in that dire of medical emergency, why did you go on a date? I don't want to date you now because I just don't think you take care of yourself at all. Listen, everything was falling out of me and I just shoved it all back up in there and decided to come out to a restaurant and put my own life in jeopardy. <laughs> okay, Jess's explanation for this awful thing to say is, or for variety, you can always substitute placenta. Variations. I've got cramps. I've got my girly. My ovaries are blocked. I think I'm starting to get hemorrhoids. I just popped a varicose vein very close to my inner thigh. Anything amiss in that region will gross them out, make them suggest maybe you should go home. If necessary, feel free to go more drastic. Oh my god, I think I feel another cold sore coming on. What is wrong with me? You may wonder if he'll ever call again. If you use that last one, he'll call. Because cold sores are typically a sign of a very promiscuous person. We'll just put it that way. And they're temporary. Yeah. All right. So number two kind of worked on you. So number one. But more so in the fact that I'm just kind of disgusted that somebody would like be like, hey, <laughs> by the way, my body's falling apart. And I chose this date <laughs> over actually seeking medical help. Right. We wouldn't even have to get to number one. But if none of this worked on you, I could always do number one. The honest answer, this isn't working. Check, please. I tell it like it is. If you can handle it, the direct approach is always the best approach. You can cut your losses and leave. I would rather have number one just than any of the other excuses. Right? Oh, Lord. Some of those excuses were pretty great. All right, so we're at the center of the book now. There's this lovely pictorial of Janice because she's a model, of course. So there's a pictorial in the center of her book. And then we get to lesson 18. The phone is your friend. So basically this chapter is don't call him first. Even if he hasn't called you after three days, distract yourself until he calls you. And if he doesn't call you, that's that. If you call him first, then he's not nice and you're not smart, basically sums up this chapter. What is her policy on pagers? <laughs> you know, coincidentally, she didn't mention it. Just, I imagine that he should page first. I'm, I'm just curious because I know like this was at the time of like when we first, like as a generation, started using text. Yeah. Like texting on cell phones. Yeah, because we're looking at 2006 when this came out. So, but that was also around the time where some people still had pagers. Did people still have pagers in 2006? Yeah, there were a few. Like, some of the people she would be going for, like doctors and that. Oh, of course. I guess I never had one, so I never knew when they went out of style. Because I never had a pager. Oh, wait. Somebody's beeping me. I gotta go. This is, this is code for hitting on me. <laughs> Call me, beat me if you want to reach me. Yeah. Kim Possible. <laughs> And that brings us to the end of part one and halfway through the book and leads us into advanced dating techniques. But this is where we're going to call it. I didn't expect this to be a two episode book, but sometimes things happen and this has been interesting. So we're going to make this a two parter. 
So we're going to leave you with this. As always, be nice to each other. Don't yes. send hate to Miss Janice Dickinson or anyone in her camp, her family, her children, anything. Yep. Be kind to one another. And also, if you are curious and joining us on our Patreon, we do have one. It is under the Library of Cursed Books. You can join our Discord for a dollar, or if you would like to have access to our bonus episodes and content as we release it, it's for $3. And we currently do have an episode on Ben Shapiro's book of How to Debate a Leftist. And then coming up here, we're going to have another Patreon episode centering around Steve Harvey's Act Like a Lady, Think Like a Man, an antiquated view on dating. And if you... Wherever you're listening to this, feel feel the need to, to help boost us in the algorithm of the internet. You may leave us five stars. And just to offset off the most of the awfulness that we are covering in these books, because while they are divisive, most of the ones we've been covering so far have not been enjoyable because it was Ben Shapiro books. Leave us five stars and tell us what your favorite book is.